welcome back to another edition of the Flight School Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Turner Medlicott, joined today by my good friend, Adrian Walker. Uh, another podcast, sadly, where Jonah could not join us. Uh, but what are you doing, man? This is like three in a row. Three in a row, right? <laughs> you, you used to call me out saying that, because uh, because I was, the, I think, the first one who missed a pod and said, that my podcast efficiency is equivalent to Russell Westbrook shooting efficiency. His is a his is equivalent to Ben Simmons free throw efficiency. Is, is what's happening uh, here. Good 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 thing the last podcast he was on here he uh, he switched teams because he's he's looking too reminiscent of his old team right now. Yeah <laughs> yeah. But uh, but he he's going through some transitions right now so it's all good and uh so is this podcast a little bit we had uh an episode i recorded from last week that me and adrian did the tldr yeah we glorified Giannis for 30 minutes (laughs) yeah that's that's most of what the pod was anyway but we have some technical currently wearing a Giannis jersey i i threw a newly popped Yes, I, I, I threw it out on Twitter during the finals that I was considering getting a Giannis jersey. Then when Giannis like started really going crazy, I was like, maybe I should get one right now before they all sell out. Um, and that is indeed what I did. Um, it arrived in the mail yesterday. I wore it yesterday. I'm wearing it again today. Things are great. Everything's great. Exactly. And that uh, that helped with the news that you lost your Adobe Premiere access, which is why we couldn't edit up the pod yes. uh, from last week. <laughs> uh, so we're doing things a little bit different this week, uh, but we're actually hoping um, to start using Spotify Greenroom uh, next week to do some live podcasting, which will be really fun, honestly, for uh the two of us and for Jonah, because y'all don't get to hear the the dumb conversations that go leading into a recording. And I think we'll get a lot more of those coming out in a live podcast. And then of course, you'll still be able to hopefully listen to it here um, with, you know, recorded uh, if you can't catch it live. So we're excited about that going into the future, but we, we need to get off the housekeeping and into Adrian's week of the year because this is the week that you have literally been preparing for like nothing else uh for the past like two months it feels like uh and that's nba draft week um it is been so exciting the anticipation for this draft feels higher for some reason than recent history i think i haven't felt this excited about a draft um since the zion williamson draft but even then you knew he was going number one and nothing, nothing about it. This is just such a fun draft. This is um, the most exciting draft in my mind since the Luca, Marvin Bagley, DeAndre, that, exactly. Trey Young draft. Where you don't know exactly who's going. You know who like the top four are, but you don't know exactly where each of them are going. And, and then it, the draft is incredibly deep. Like just like that draft. In that draft, Shea Gilgis Alexander was drafted 11th. Um, I believe to the Hornets who then went to the Clippers. Um, and like, he's going to be an all-star for many years to come. He's the 11th pick. Uh, this draft has the potential to produce the same sort of talent in the later, like lottery stages. It's, it's not just the first four. It's not just the first two or three. It's 
like anyone in the lottery reasonably even outside the lottery if i'm being honest could be potential all-stars um in the future it's very very exciting if you're an nba draft guru or just into the nba draft in general um obviously i have many things to talk about but alas continue turner (laughs) yeah if i can be excited about who the lakers are picking at 22 you know it's a it's a deep draft but we'll we'll get into that uh and we'll actually get more into your boy sga uh because the other big thing other than the players that comes with draft week is is the trades and we've already seen oh yes it's trade season once again it's trade season once again um Trade season really starts with draft week and then really builds up after free agency and and all of that stuff. Uh, But the biggest one that we saw um, just a couple days ago, or was it even earlier today? I don't know. It's been such a, such a week for me, but that was the Memphis Grizzlies and the new Orleans Pelicans. Um, The Grizzlies received Steven Adams, Eric Bledsoe, the 10th pick, the 40th pick, and a top 10 protected pick from who's which will be the Lakers pick. So it'll probably be outside the lottery anyway, uh, in 2022. Um, and the Pelicans got uh, Jonas Valanciunas, the 17th pick and the 51st pick this year. Um, obviously an upgrade for the Pelicans. They get a big man in Valanciunas who's going to be able to spread the floor. He's legit. He's like, legit. He's legit. He's all. Well, he's also, I mean, Steven Adams is a good big, but Steven Adams with Zion on the court is just two big old dudes who don't space the floor very well. Zion needs a stretch big playing alongside him so he can have spacing and he can dominate inside and be Zion. And so Valachunas will absolutely be that. They still get a good pick in this deep draft, like we said. Um, and they're getting rid of, a point guard that they didn't really need an Eric Bledsoe and freeing up cap room to re-sign a guy like Lonzo. It's a great move for the for the Pelicans, for the Grizzlies. I mean, it's fine. It's an absolute fleecing, is what it is. Um, but because they don't, yeah. <laughs> realistically, the Pelicans were not in the playoff picture, right? The Grizzlies were. Um, it does not make sense to me why the Grizzlies would trade arguably their second best player and Valanchunas um trade I mean, I mean yes you get the 10th pick but you're you're trading for a not as good Jonas Valanchunas and Steven Adams I love Steve-O he was obviously a member of OKC for a while um and he, there's rumors that this this offseason he's committed to becoming a stretch big which that would be interesting if he could find a way in one offseason to turn himself from a you know three feet only guy to a stretch big um like a legitimate stretch but like that would be kind of insane uh hashtag ben simmons um (laughs) like i i i don't understand it from the grizzlies perspective you were just the eighth well i guess technically you weren't the eighth seed you were the ninth seed you worked your way into the eighth seed but like Um, you made the jazz sweat a little bit yes and Jaron Jackson Jr. was coming back from injury. It's not like um, Jaron Jackson Jr. was healthy the whole year to build chemistry with the team. He had just come back from injury, and you guys made the Jazz, who was 
legitimately the the number one team in the NBA this year up until the playoffs. Um, you made them sweat in the first round. I don't understand why you're going to pair Ja Morant with another point guard who can't shoot. Um, and then why you trade your second best player for a, a guy who's going to be as much as I hope Steven Adams becomes a stretch big, that'd be hilarious to me. Um, he's just not going to be as good um, as Valanciunas is. And um, you're moving up in the draft, but like we, as we said, it's a deep draft. So like, are you actually improving? And you're um, not, you're not moving up to like top five or even top six. No. That's a different story. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's not where you're in the running now to get Scotty Barnes or Jonathan Kaminga. You're in the running to get and and this is fair. I mean, Moses Moody or um, I don't know. Maybe they they go for a, a guy like uh, Franz Wagner, or maybe they go for a guy like Corey Kispert to provide a little bit more shooting um, and a little bit more spacing. And maybe they don't think they're that their guy is going to last to seventeen but there's still shooters and there's still wings and there's still pieces that you could get at 17, which may not be as good as the piece you get at 10, but it's kind of, it's kind of. Also, I feel like you could have <laughs> traded with either the Pelicans or another team and not given up Valanchunas and maybe given up like another pick or two and made it work and still kept Valanchunas. You want shooting trade, um, trade with the Sacramento Kings, get Buddy Heald, who they are desperately trying to sell. Um, try and get the ninth pick while you're at it if you want to move up on the draft board as well. You could trade. I don't think you have to trade Valanchunas in that trade either. You could trade Eric Bledsoe, um, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, um, and and the 17th pick and maybe the 40th pick or whatever the other pick was they, they sold, yeah. 51st pick, um, and get – Buddy healed in the ninth pick back. Like it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It feels like the Grizzlies really lost out here. Um, and Nola's doing their best to continue the very, very quick rebuild. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. I think it's going to shake things a bit, a bit on draft night, but it's not that crazy. Um, no, I think, well, Unless something else happens that I'll get to later, I think it's going to be the biggest trade that we see as far as pre or on on draft. Night. Let me tell you, I hope it's the biggest trade we see. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, on the Pelican side, this might also open up some avenues for them to try to get a Kyle Lowry. Like I said, yeah. they opened up some cap space. Um, Oh, one Lowry. more thing. One more thing about that trade. It's due to contracts and, and such. It can't actually go through until like August 6th, I think. Um, I, oh, I do cause... believe I saw that somewhere. Um, that being said, you could still throw in a third team to like make it work. Like it would basically be a trade between the Pelicans and the Grizzlies. And then the like the third part of the trade would be like, whoever the the um pelicans are then sending to say someone like the raptors um it, it would be a three-team trade but it would really be like two trades and two parts yeah um that's settled and negotiated as a three-team trade it's complicated 
Um, but there's talks. Continue. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and there's, I mean, Lowry would definitely be a welcome addition to that Pelican team. That being said, I mean, maybe they, they trade Brandon Ingram. I know he's been linked to the Miami Heat recently. Um, I maybe they bottle up, I don't know, Josh Hart and some other dudes, but like, I don't know what they're going to be able to offer Toronto that's really going to sell them on the Lowry trade. I'm not sure either, but I mean, at least it's not Philly where you're offering <laughs> Ben Simmons and you're asking for Kyle Lowry, Fred, Fred Van Fleet, OG Ananobi, and like three first round picks. Um, because apparently Ben Simmons is LeBron James and Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson rolled up into one player. Um, ac- according to Daryl Morey uh, and, and what he's requesting, Ben Simmons has that level of capability. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure what the Pelicans could offer either. That would make sense for to, to receive Kyle Lowry. Maybe they'll trade Valanchunas. Maybe Valanchunas was just a, a bargaining piece um, that they plan on selling again. Because we're being honest, I know Valanchunas is better than Adams, and he's a decent stretch big, but he's also a big thick boy um, who's gonna be in boy. who's gonna be in the lane more than you would like your center to be in the lane um, with a team like Zion. Maybe what the the Pelicans are trying to do here. Maybe they know that one of the centers or one of the big men in this draft is someone that they could take and potentially throw at their five. Maybe Kai Jones or Alperin Singoon drop to 17 and then they can take um, their guy there. Um, that's very true. That, that's a possibility. And maybe they trade Valanciunas to try to get Lowry. I don't know. It, it's super it, – it's – complex but that's why i love this time of year because (laughs) your mind is just going in circles like what could possibly happen like what's the next step see and that's what what's so funny about the next trade rumor that we have on this list because at least when you're thinking about kyle lowry to to the pelicans you're like yeah that you know that's a possibility maybe something works out between both sides um but when you start seeing rumors are like oh you know the thunder are going to trade uh, SGA in the sixth pick for number one so they can get Cade Cunningham. And it's just like, but why? But literally why? That would be a fleecing of the Thunder, and we know that Sam Presti is the fleecer. He's not the fleecee in these situations. I would question my loyalty as a Thunder fan. If we (laughs) traded Shea Gilgis-Alexander... And the number six pick for Kate Cunningham. I, I'm sorry. It just it does not make sense. It does not make sense. I don't see why we would ever offer that. I don't understand why people think that crafting rumors and preaching it as religion makes sense. It it does not compute. And as you said, Sam Presti is the fleecer. He does the fleecing. He is not one to get fleeced. It is not does not work like that. There have been more. There, it's not just the one person who's like throwed it out there. Like, hey, 
this could happen. Like, there are multiple people who have said, hey, Shea Gilch Alexander might be on the table. But, like, why? Because he was a fringe all-star this year. He really should have been an all-star, for being honest. Um, he was a fringe all-star this year. He's 22. It's not like he's devoid of the current timeline that like he is the timeline that we're he's building the franchise on. player right now like he's the only player that's currently proven themselves to be a franchise cornerstone we don't know what any of the players in, the, in this draft are going to be excuse me excuse me that is some disrespect to the builder of the Dortress himself i love lou dort i i am I'm willing to admit that he might be someone that Presty throws on the trade block in the future. Like the only person that I'm almost positive will not get traded because we have said, Hey, this guy could be the cornerstone of our franchise for the next 10 years is Shea Gilgis Alexander. Like it does not make sense. The only way it makes sense is if you're getting Kate Cunningham and Jalen green, or Cade Cunningham and Evan Mobley, and you're trading yep. away Shea Gilgis Alexander, the number six pick. Like that's the only way it makes sense. It makes sense. But SGA plus the sixth pick for Cade Cunningham, unless you think he's gonna be like LeBron James and Luka Doncic combined into one person, <laughs> which I understand. Like the, the the his comparisons are an athletic Luka, like. That is what people think Cade Cunningham is as a prospect, or at least that's a ceiling, which we'll get into later. Um, even in that scenario, like, are we certain he's going to reach that ceiling? Like, we're projecting his highest of the high. SGA is already not at his highest of the high. He's 22 years old, and he's nearly an all-star. He's posting 23, five and a half, and five at 22 on almost 50, 40, 90 splits. What are we doing here? <laughs> SGA and and the sixth round pick being traded for for the first round pick to or the number one pick to get Kate Cunningham is just as likely as the Lakers paying 120 million dollars to Dennis Schroeder. So I I, I laugh at I laugh at both of those things. Yes. Um, yes. But if we get to if we bring things back to reality, who is OKC going to pick? versus and if that who are they going to pick at six and later on in the draft and beyond that do you think they're going to make the right call or do you think they're going to mess up and and take someone that they they shouldn't well i'll put it this way there's there's two scenarios here there's the scenario where we do trade up and then there's there's the scenario where we don't i don't see us drafting six people in one draft it does not make a lot of sense to me um I do think we are going to trade up in this draft. It would surprise me significantly if we did not. I think what's going to end up happening is we're going to end up getting the third pick from Cleveland, potentially Colin Sexton as well. Um, And we're going to trade pretty much all of our draft assets from this draft um, and maybe a future draft. I don't know. Um, But there's, I think the most likely scenario is we're going to end up trading um, the number six pick and we're going to trade a couple salary cap fillers and we're going to take in Kevin Love um, and we'll, we'll absorb that contract and we'll also accept the number three pick. Um, 
in which case we will either take Jalen Green or Evan Mobley, whichever one's available, um, to pair with SGA. I think that is the most likely scenario. Um, that's what I expect to happen um, mm-hmm. if we do indeed trade. If we don't trade, I expect us to take James Booknight. There has been a ton of media coverage about how Presty's had dinner with Booknight. Uh, Booknight's had mul- not one, but multiple workouts with the Thunder. Um, the Thunder and Booknight were, were linked last year where Sam Presty was vocal and saying at some point um, that he was hoping that Book Knight would commit to the NBA draft because he was ready to draft Book Knight last year. Um, there's a lot, like there's there's so much speculation around OKC and James Book Knight. It seems relatively secure that that's what's going to happen if we still have the the number the pick at number six. The only scenario in which we wouldn't do that is if Scotty Barnes or Jalen Suggs falls to number six and that scenario then we take those two um but the likelihood is those two are going to be gone before pick six arrives in which case we'll take book night um then we have picks six and six six 16 and 18 um that's where it gets a little bit dicey because you don't necessarily know who who's going to be available yeah who is going to be available at that point in time um who I expect to be available and I expect us to pick. I expect either Kai Jones or Alperun Sengun to be available. One of those two big men will slip um, to the 16th pick. Assuming that we've taken book 96 and we haven't traded up, we're going to take one of those two big men, whether it's Kai Jones, whether it's Sengun, it'll be one of those two at 16. Um, and then at 18, it's really anybody's guess. If a player like, I don't know, um, one of my favorite prospects in the draft, if Sire Williams drops to 18, I think we take him. I think basically we take the highest upside player we could possibly take um, at 18, whether that be Zaire Williams, Keon Johnson, um, Jalen Johnson, uh I don't, I, Josh Giddy, if he lasts that long, there's plenty of prospects that have really high ceilings that whichever one falls to 18s who we're going to take. I don't think we're going to take a solid role player. We're going to swing for the fences. Um, as, as you should, if you're holding on to all those picks. Yeah. I'm, unless you want me to, I won't get into who I think we're going to take in the second round. No. Um, <laughs> Because I do have expectations for those picks as well. I will now, I'll transition into who I think we should take um, for the, 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 our top three picks, our, our, our three first round picks. With the sixth pick, um, I think very easily in this draft, there are seven players that are better than everyone else. Um, in my big board, I separate players by tiers. It's hard to go sure. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It's hard to rate at that level, but if you Absolutely. hear them, it's a little bit easier. So I have two, I have one A and one B. Um, in my one A, it's Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, as I think is pretty much the same with everybody. 
Yeah. Um, in my tier or in my tier one B, it is Scotty Barnes, Jalen Suggs, Jonathan Kaminga, and Zaire Williams. Um, really, you're high on Zaire Williams. I am very, very high on Zaire Williams. Um, I think he is. He has Paul George's ability and Brandon Ingram's body frame. Um, like he's seriously, seriously talented. Um, that being said, at six, I think whoever is still available among those seven is who we should take. Um, so you, you almost certainly Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, um, Evan Mobley is going to be off the board. Most likely Scotty Barnes will also be Scotty Barnes and Jalen Suggs will be off the board. So that leaves you with Kaminga and Zaire Williams. I personally prefer Zaire Williams to Jonathan Kaminga. That being said, I could totally see the Kaminga argument and I could be reasonably swayed. Um, I, I would be happy if we took Kaminga at six um, because we're just looking for the highest upside players. Like Jonathan Kaminga is Kawhi Leonard and a bigger body. <laughs> he's got, he's, he's struggling with his shooting percentages or he struggled with his shooting percentages in the G league um, with the G league ignite team this year. But Kawhi Leonard was viewed as only a defensive prospect whenever he left um, college from San Diego state, I believe it was um, way back when. So I see a ton of Kawhi Leonard and Jonathan Kaminga. Um, and I see a ton of Paul George, <laughs> funny enough, the two Clippers players, um, but I see a, a ton of Paul George and um, Zaire Williams. So I'd be very happy with either of those dudes at six. Um, I think taking book night at six is a bit of a stretch. That being said, Sam Presti has a very good record um, of yeah. taking top level talent um, at 16. I expect Zaire Williams to slip much like um, players in the past, such as Nas Little, um, other, other college uh, freshmen that struggled um, in, their, in their first and only year. Um, I can't think of any other examples right now, but um, we've often seen that be a trend. Nerlens Noel. Um, he slipped to six because he was great, but he wasn't quite up to advertised. Um, so I think Zaire Williams is going to slip. I think that's who we should take a 16 if he's there. Um, Especially if you think he's uh, yes. <laughs> worth yes. of the, worthy of the sixth pick. He's worthy of the sixth pick. I think he'll be available at 16. So I think we, we should take him there if he's available. Um, and then at 18, I would – it's hard to know who's going to be available. Um, I think my favorite potential prospects um, that could be available at that point in time, once again, Alperin Sengun, once again, Kai Jones, once again, Keon Johnson. Um, I don't think Jalen Johnson will still be around. I don't think um, Josh Giddy will be around. Uh we could potentially take someone like Sharif Cooper out of Auburn. Um, who's right. He's, he's a bit questionable because he's like five ten, Um, and he didn't shoot great percentages. That being said, he's got a pretty jump shot. Um, and he's a very good creator. Um, 
Well, he's who uh, he's who all the Lakers fans seem to want. So I like Sharif Cooper. I think he's he's got a lot of upside, um, and that that's who we're looking for with the 18th pick. So any of those dudes that have legit legit upside um, is who I would want us to take at 18. Um, and hopefully one of them will be available. I'd assume one of them will be available. Um, but yes, move on to your Lakers because apparently that means we, we have a, a similar ideology. I'll, actually, you said Lakers fans. I don't know if you like Sharif Cooper, so, but I'm curious what your thoughts are as to what the Lakers should and shouldn't do. You only have one pick though, right? You only have the 27th yeah, pick? I don't think we have a – we definitely only have uh... – uh, first one first round pick gotcha. uh, because um, and I'm honestly after having a couple seasons of not having one I'm like oh we have a first round <laughs> pick that's fun um, but it's been uh, pretty noted that um, the Lakers are looking for some type of playmaker uh, in this pick um, which makes sense so Westbrook <laughs> <laughs> But the other thing that the Lakers, the Lakers desperately need is they need spacing and shooting. Um, so obviously your, your ideal player who's going to be able to do both is not going to come to you probably at, at pick number 22. Um, that is why um, I think because of the risk that, you know, Sharif Cooper presents being smaller, being, having not good three-point shooting percentages uh, from his freshman year of college. Um, maybe he slips down to, to 22. Um, and I can, I can see the upside there for sure. Um, I think if he slips up uh, or slips down, uh, depending on how you view him to the pick, I feel like that's who they're going to pick. Um, like you said earlier, it's hard to predict these later picks because you don't really know who's going to be available especially when you get outside the top 10 and and things like that um he's definitely a decent option he's he's probably one of the better if not the best playmaking guards in the draft i just am worried in the short term how he would fit into the offense especially if he can't shoot um you know lebron's gonna need somebody can kick the ball out to and i don't think he's a catch and shoot guy at all yet um, long-term that might not matter. Yeah. Long-term he might fit better into our picture, but my ideal candidate, um, for, for this pick, and maybe it's because, um, I'm biased towards the college guys. I got to see a lot more of is I would love to have Jared Butler. In that's this a good pick. pick. I think that's a fantastic pick. That's who I would really love. That's a guy with, great college experience yet he's young despite being a junior he's like 21 he's the best prospect out of baylor this year hush hush wow okay that's not what i think but (laughs) he is a good offensive player he can play make some he shoots the three ball well um he's not gonna you know he's 6'3 195 so he's gonna be a pretty standard point guard he's not gonna wow you with athleticism or anything but he's a really solid prospect who i think with his experience and his room to grow um could be a contributor next season in in a great role 
Um, so Jared Butler is available at that pick that is at, and if we pick him there, I will be ecstatic because I think that is exactly the type of player um, that the Lakers need. He's NBA um, ready. If, he's NBA ready. If he's not available, um, I could be sold on, on a Chris Darte. That's how you say his last Chris name. Duarte. From Oregon. Yep. Chris Duarte. Uh, purely from his uh, shooting ability. He's probably one of the best shooters in the draft. Um, it's so again, that's someone that you can go ahead and plug in purely for his shooting ability. And I think if you're looking at the Lakers timeline, at least with LeBron, we need to be drafting prospects that will grow, but also guys that we can go ahead and are ready now. You need need people ready now. Don't think that Sharif Cooper is quite that guy. He's got a lot of buzz from like Lakers fan sites and stuff that I've read and I get it his upside in the future could be high, but right now that's not who we need to be picking with the 22nd pick in, in this draft. We need a guy like Jared Butler or Chris, Chris Duarte. Um, another long-term guy I could see would maybe be Joshua Primo. Like if we just really want to go long-term Josh, get like, yeah, yeah. He's like the youngster. So like maybe you do that, but no, it's, it needs to be Jared Butler and that will be, where I am the most ecstatic and I'm really hoping that he falls into our hands because I think that would be an amazing pickup for the Lakers. But I like that we'll a lot. We'll see. Um, now on to what I've been, I've been waiting for this whole podcast. Um, yeah, even teasing me. <laughs> teasing you. So Adrian has done far more research than I, I will, I will preface this with. He's been doing months of research, probably actually watching, um, tape of all of these players and looking at their styles of play and way too much tape (laughs) way too much tape i have done a couple uh days of research collection enough to make a a pretty rudimentary but i think somewhat decent uh for the time given uh mock draft of just the lottery pick so i'm not I didn't have enough time really because I did this over the past couple of days when I was bored at work or during my lunch breaks and things like that. Um, and I have, I have what I think, I don't know if this will happen, but I think this was a good mix of who I think teams will go for and also teams should go for. So I, I don't know if this will match up exactly with what will happen, but I think that each of these picks makes a little bit of sense based on the immediate roster needs and the directions of, of these teams from a like bird's eye view. I didn't get to watch any tapes, so we might get some disagreements, but I'm very interested to present this to Adrian. Yes, and run this I'm interested Adrian. to also, once you um, run through them, throw them on the, throw them on the rundown so that I can like scour back over what you've said again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. When I get to the the end, I'll copy paste the whole thing. Like, I'll, I'll be I'll be reacting as we go, right? But I I need I'm gonna need to re look back over this. I'm gonna need an overview. Fair enough. Post lottery. Well, well, number number one's easy, right? Number one is is Cade Cunningham. I know there's been reports that the Pistons are like don't know who they're gonna get yet. Yeah, Cade Cunningham's the best player in this draft, at least for right now that we know of. If, if, if the rumors are that SGA and the sixth pick are being traded for this man, you better go grab that man. Like, yeah. just, just stop. He's, he's going, he should be going at number one. The Pistons might pull something super stupid because they're the Pistons, but he should go at number one. Agreed. 
at, at number two, um, I also feel like this is a no-brainer. Um, I think Houston needs to grab Jalen Green. Um, I know Evan Mobley's a great prospect, and he might be, uh, but they've got Christian Wood as a rising star, as a big man. They don't need another big man star right now. Agreed. They need a uh, James Harden replacement type player, and that's Jalen yeah. Green. Um, at three with Cleveland, um, I have them taking Evan Mobley. I know they have Jarrett Allen. Um, my matter. problem Mobley at the four, baby. Exactly. Mobley can stretch the floor. Um, he's just going to already be better than Kevin Love because Kevin Love is, is unfortunately washed at this point in his career. Love, love that guy, but he's, he's done. Oh, he's washed. <laughs> and my other problem is like, I, I just don't see how another guard this high in the draft helps Cleveland at all, really. No. Unless you're going to trade Colin Sexton away, unless you're going to trade away Garius Garland or you just, you have your guards. You really need that, that forward type player. So Evan Mobley has got to go at number three. Uh, number four, I have the Toronto Raptors picking Jalen Suggs. Um, I thought about some other players, some forwards here. Um, but if Kyle Lowry is getting out the door, or even if he isn't, another guard to pair along with Plev Fleet makes a lot of sense here. Agreed. And here's where it starts to get spicy. Four for <laughs> four. Four. <laughs> four, four. Okay, so at five, I have Orlando picking Scotty Barnes. I, I like it. I like it a lot really like scotty barnes he's an acc guy so automatically i've seen a little bit more of him than some of the other guys um but he's someone who you really can plug and play in a lot of different positions he can guard a lot of different positions and if you're orlando you're building you're starting a long process of the rebuild um but you also have you have a mobamba right you have cole anthony markel fultz you need that three or four or big two or small five type player. You can kind of put him in wherever you, you need him. And I know, I know Kaminga could maybe be that too, but I think Scotty Barnes is just the better plug and play where you want him guy. I agree. I think Scotty Barnes is I, the most underrated prospect in this draft outside of Zaire Williams. Um, I think you can make a case for Scotty Barnes at three. Um, I think he's that talented and has that much upside. Um, not only he, he's lauded for his defensive potential, but he's also a very, very skilled passer. Um, and at six, nine, he has the ball handling abilities to be a point forward as well. Exactly. Um, if, if the, the, the best comp I think you could give um, is imagine Draymond Green um, and like all of his point like forward abilities, but give that dude like Paul George's athleticism. Like that, that's what Scotty Barnes is as a prospect. Um, exactly. And that's really scary. <laughs> like that, that has the potential to be a top 10 player in the league. Um so yeah, I'm I'm super high on Scotty Barnes. I think that's a great, great pick for Orlando, especially considering they're in rebuild mode. They're all about, you know, 
piling on the best possible assets. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and I think you'll like my next one. So OKC at six, uh, I had to keep my poker face on when you said this earlier, but I have them getting Jonathan Kaminga. Um, cool, I think cool, cool. with the, you said it already, but with the roster that the Thunder have, the, the process that they're, he fits in, they need um, some big men, but they also need some versatile big men. And Kaminga fills that well. I, you already talked about him earlier, but I, I think that's high upside. That that's all we need to look for right now is just the, the highest upside possible. Yes, Kaminga is a bit of a project, um, but I mean, so is Alex said Pokusevsky. So like, exactly. I, if we're to develop Poku, we might as well develop Kaminga. I mean, come on. All right. So next comes Golden State. I know they're like sort of trying to give this pick after away. the top six. It gets interesting. This is where it gets fun. This is where it gets really, really fun. So for Golden State, you're you're clearly not as high on on this player as I am, but I have. Oh, I Davion, know you're going. I have Davion Mitchell. Um, <laughs> I just there's a couple things why I think that the Warriors pick him here. I think if you're the Warriors and you hold on to this number seven pick you need to be using the rest of whatever Steph has left as soon as you can. And I think Davion Mitchell doesn't have as high of ceilings as a bunch of these other guys, but he has the experience and the age and the ability to be plugged in right now. Um, and if you're Golden State with having some of those injuries that you've had, um, parrying him, uh, as an off the bench often option because um, he can run run the court uh, and most importantly he can come off the bench and defend you know I don't know how much of an NBA ready defender he's going to be obviously he's going to have tougher assignments but dude's a great defender um, and so ultimately when I was trying to think about who Golden State would pick here if they hold on to the seventh pick I couldn't really go off of off of Davian Mitchell not you're not now. you're not the only one who has been um, a, a product of the moment when it comes to Davion Mitchell. There are things to like. Yes, he is um, he is a good defender. Yes, he should be a bit more NBA-ready than a couple of the other prospects that are still on the board. If, if I'm being honest here, I don't think the Warriors will have the seventh pick because I think they'll have Bradley Beal. Um, <laughs> and that's where it's hard to know when I'm building this. Yes, it, it is hard to know. Now, assuming they do keep the pick, uh, I, I think Davion Mitchell isn't a lottery prospect. Um, I'd be surprised. I would not be surprised if he slips into the 20s. I, I think where he's going to end up going is like 19 to the New York Knicks. Um, he seems like a very Knicks player to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, the reason why you need to hesitate on Davion Mitchell is he's, I, I know we get on um, people consistently talk about how, oh, the older college players are, are like things that you should avoid. And that like, that's the only reason why they're, they're going lower is because they're older. In this case, it's a little bit more true with Davion. He's 23, um, so he's older than Shea Gilgis-Alexander. 
or some of the people that we named earlier from like uh like Luka Doncic Trey Young he's older than those guys um and when you're drafting this high in the lottery yes you want to get someone if you're Golden State that that can contribute now but you also want to get someone that has upside moving forward if, if you're drafting with the seventh pick um you, you want a guy that has a little bit more upside I think that Davion Mitchell was and then you go into what Davion Mitchell is as a prospect you know he's going to be a good defender um but he's an inconsistent shooting 6-1 combo guard um realistically if you look at successful players in the NBA right now a 6-1 non-efficient combo guard is a rare <laughs> is it, it's a rarity among uh current NBA roster rotations um yes Davion Mitchell did increase his three-point shooting to like 44 45 percent this season and that's great that's awesome but it's a bit concerning when the two or three seasons prior he averaged no better than like 29 percent from three that makes me think that he had a very good year but I'm not necessarily sold that his, that's consistency it m- might just be that you know Baylor was on this incredible run and Davion Mitchell and everyone else on the team was playing at their absolute best as a result. Um, when you have confidence such as that, you play better. Um, I don't think his shooting is going to translate to the NBA. And if you're a six-one guard that can't shoot, it, it you're going to struggle to find time on the court. And I, it's just what it I, is. I can agree with that. I think I have a little bit more faith in his shooting. And I think Ultimately, I don't want to get stuck too much on on the seventh pick in, in gold. I know I, I have many thoughts about David no, Mitchell. No, that is why we're talking much about is, it. Is I again? I don't think he's going to be as good as any of the guys before him, and probably a, a decent bit of the guys below him. But my other thing is, I think he's just going to be better than those guys at first, and then he's going to stunt really quickly. Why but not I, take I, him at fourteen then? You'll see. <laughs> okay. That's because we're gonna because we're gonna take we're gonna take a fun player at fourteen, but okay. we're we're gonna get continue, to that. continue continue. So after that, I think Orlando with their second pick, um, they got Scotty Barnes. They got their wing. Um, they got their guy. Now they need to get a great, exhilarating scoring type player, and that's where uh, James Boot Knight comes in. There for me. Um, if OKC is thinking about taking him at six, I feel like that's not too far off. Um, and in case Cole Anthony or in case, um, uh, Marco Fultz. Thank you. I, his name, I was, I was thinking Miles Garrett. It happens. Like, that's, a, that's a different, that's a different sport. <laughs> in case those two guys don't work out, you've got another, another type of guard, honestly, in the mix. I know Cole Anthony is sort of uh, a scorer, but he's not. Him and, and Bugnagar are not the same player. No, um, not. not. Not in the slightest. Um, and certainly Mark Fultz isn't either. Um, it, simply put, Bugnagar is just one of the best scorers 
in the draft. He's like, probably the scores. second best, second best pure score in the draft behind Jalen Green. That that's what he projects exactly. as. And I think he's just an exciting player to pair along a guy like Scotty Barnes, and I think that's a good pick up uh, for for Orlando uh, at the at the eighth pick. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. Moving on at, at number nine. Um, I, the Kings, this is, this is the worst spot for the Kings. The Kings like are in basketball purgatory. It's, it's kind of terrible. They need to do a lot of things, but all of the shipping buddy healed. They're going to be in purgatory until they move to Seattle. Yeah. That's what, that that, they're going to be in a constant state of demise until they move North. Them moving Buddy Heald and, and maybe this pick aside, um, I think genuinely a fun pickup for them here uh, would be Moses Moody. Um, I think a cool 3 and D type player, because you can't get a guard. Please don't get a guard. Moody and kind of is I just, a guard. He can, he, can be a, he can be a wing. He can be a wing. I project him to be more of a shooting guard. Um, I, I just, will. I, I'll interrupt you here, and it's not because I don't disagree with you. I like Moses Moody a lot as a prospect, but from the rumors and the many draft circles that I have made myself a part of this year, it is almost guaranteed, and it seems like a promise has been made to Franz Wagner from Sacramento. Um, it is. 95% likely that Franz Wagner ends up in a Sacramento Let's uniform. See, that's so boring to me. <laughs> I look, I, I'll go ahead and, and since we mentioned his name, I have him going number 12 to the Spurs because that is the most Spurs ass player I have ever heard of. Like, come on. If I told you, okay, this player plays in the NBA, who does Franz Wagner play for? It's either going to be like the Mavs or the Spurs. Like it's, it's going to be those two. Like he, I just, there's something about him. Like I just, I'm not too impressed with him as a prospect. I like, I genuinely just am not like, he'll be fine, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I guess Sacramento could get an actual forward here, but I'm not impressed with them. So I'm like, get, get Moody who I think is the better player. But you're you're probably right with the with the rumors there. Like there. Wagner's probably it almost definitely going to be taken by Sacramento. If I was Sacramento, who will probably the player that will probably still be on the board, who they should take, Sire Williams. That, fair fair enough. I, I just wasn't as high on him as, as you were. But this is this is a pick where I was like, screw what actually might be happening. This is this is what I want. But moving on to the Grizzlies to the Grizzlies at ten. Um, they again traded up to get this pick, uh, which is very interesting. It means that they want someone in this position. Um, See, I think they want Moses Moody, who you just eliminated off the board. So now, now it's interesting. Now, now it's, it's interesting. <laughs> See, I Sacramento was a hard team for me to put someone in. So maybe they do get Moses Moody with the tenth pick if he's still on the board. In fact, if he is still on the board at ten, that's who I would get. But in my mock draft. I have them getting Keon Johnson. Mm. <laughs> so you're going to have John Morant 
Eric Bledsoe, and Keon Johnson all in the same backcourt. Three guys who are all 6'4 or below and all who can't shoot. I mean, I guess I could put <laughs> but that what who's the the giddy kid who's like 18 from australia Josh giddy also does not make sense because they already have their point guard of the future exactly John Moran, which is why moses moody like that seems like the default prospect that that would be why memphis moved up is because they think giddy's or not giddy they think moody's, moody's gonna drop to 10 and that's who they want. That would be the ideal. Now that I'm thinking about it and the Sacramento being so highly linked to Wagner, I would have Moody at 10. So that makes a lot of sense. He's a, he's a very importantly, a guy who can shoot alongside John Morant and he can play great defense. Um, and he's so. a two, three hybrid. Like you said, he, you thought he could play wing. He's at two, three hybrid. So he can play either the two or the three depending on who's on the court alongside John Morant at any given time. Um, and he fits the window. He's young. He's 18 um, exactly. right now. So not, not to, not to deflate your boat. Um, no, that's okay. Because because <laughs> next I have Charlotte and I have my very quick hot take. And then my actual take about who I think they're going to get here. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about, and from, from, going to the Hornets game that Charlotte more than anything else. They have one main priority. They needed, they need a big man. Yep. (laughs) And I'll be damned if I don't believe that outside of Evan Mobley, the best big man prospect in this draft to me is Dayron Sharp. So if I were the. Come on, don't do that. No. No, but if I put my bias aside okay. and I'm actually realistic, okay, because that's not going to happen. Okay. I know okay. that's not I'm back happen. with you. I'm back with you. <laughs> that's not going to happen. I want that to happen because I believe in Dayron, but that's not actually. I believe happen. in Dayron as well. I don't believe in him as much as uh, some other prospects in this draft that are big men as well. Continue. My bias aside, I think Kai Jones is the big man. okay okay like cool, 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 cool cool if i'm being realistic and looking at prospects with a rational mind i think kai jones is is the prospect that goes here he makes a lot of sense he's a modern big man he already proved that he could shoot the three ball pretty he's the epitome of a modern big man dayron i think can stretch the floor in time but needs time oh, um, a lot of time <laughs> yeah, and so if we we talk about windows, we talk about timelines a lot. Um, the Hornets already talk have been talking ownership wise that they expect to be in the playoff hunt, and they were in the playoff hunt before um, uh, Lamelo got hurt. Um, so if they're looking at that timeline, Kai Jones makes a lot of sense. You need a better you need a better big man. And Bismack Biombo or Cody Zeller uh, for for the Hornets, and I think that I think that Kai Jones can only bring you upside, like you said. Dayron would make me go ecstatic. I love Dayron, but it's it's gonna be Kai Jones here. Yes, uh, I agree. This is the the first one I really agree with since I guess it was Book Night at eight. Um, well, really, the first one I really really agree with since Kaminga at six. Yeah, um, I, I think if. Kai Jones slips past Charlotte. 
uh, it'll it'll be very sad because you look at Charlotte, you look at Lamelo Ball especially. The best possible thing that you could put alongside Lamelo Ball is a rim running big who can stretch the floor. Like yep. that is literally the best thing you can put alongside Lamelo Ball. That is exactly what Kai Jones is. If if they don't take Kai Jones here, it, it's blasphemy. It it would upset me greatly. <laughs> yeah, no, this this made a lot of sense when I was looking, making. So I'm glad you agree. Um, see, and this is where it's tricky because I said Spurs. I said they were getting Fran, Franz, Franz Wagner. Wagner. Um, but but I, I switched you up. <laughs> you switched me up. So we're we're gonna move past them. Uh, and, and maybe you can circle back and tell me who they're going to pick in a second, but I want to complete the rest of my draft okay. mainly because I think that uh, just like I thought that Franz Wagner was the most Spurs player of all time. I think that Corey Kispert is the most Pacers player to ever exist, especially right now. The pa- I, I'll accept that. I, I'll accept that. The, I mean, the Pacers need shooting. Doug McDermott 2.0. Let's go. <laughs> they literally just replace replace Doug McDermott. Just just get another Doug McDermott. Kispert um, is much better than Doug McDermott. To be fair, it's just it's funny because that is that is an archetype that seems like it would fit Indiana's culture at the moment. He's he's got good size. Um, I I see him playing more as a as a big two than as a as a three really to be honest i mean maybe maybe he plays the three um but regardless i think he fits what the pacers need and he's the most pacers player uh, uh, left on the board so that's that's who i have at 13 fair enough i i'll agree with that and then finally the round of the lottery yeah you said this was a this was a spicy pick so this is where i have the golden state warriors now, keep in mind, I thought Davion Mitchell was a little bit more of a sure thing for what Golden State needed than you did. Mm-hmm. So for the 14th pick and to end the lottery of the 2021 NBA draft, I have the Golden State Warriors selecting Zaire Williams. Oh, that's a great pick. I, I agree with that one. I, yes. Because, yes. Because if he's still at the board and you've – if you're going to say, even if it's not Davion Mitchell, let's say you go for someone – more of a sure thing or more surefire prospect at seven, the best thing you can do to, to do that, to pair with that seventh pick is to go for a home run hit that's still left. And Zaire Williams is that risk and reward type player that would be perfect for Golden State at 14. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. I would just flip-flop them. I'd take Zaire Williams at seven and I'd take <laughs> Davion Mitchell at 14. I guess, I guess, I guess it, uh, it all, it all works out. So truly to fill the people in since I glossed over the Spurs and then I'll let you finish this out with any other notes and, and, and things. Well, like I, I, I want to throw in a, a potential name for the Spurs since you have a, that as a blank. We well, know that's what I was saying. Give the people the Spurs Spurs pick in, in my mock draft. It will then. be Josh Giddy. Almost guaranteed it will be Josh Giddy. Josh Giddy okay. is the most Spurs player in this okay. draft. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. Franz Wagner. Um, I love Josh Giddy. So, you know how I told you I have tiers, right? My yep. tiers of prospects go 
the tier one one a one b and i already went through those seven players my next tier is tier two i have only two players in that tier and those two players are josh giddy and jalen johnson um i think josh giddy is discount lamella ball um that that that's his ceiling and lamella ball is really 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 good so discount lamella ball is just gonna be really good um there's only one really in there you know he he's i really like josh giddy he's six not only is he six eight six nine um but he has fantastic vision he has a developing shot he's going to be a bit of a project but who better to take in an international prospect that's got to develop his jump shot and has got to hone in and polish his skills than the San Antonio Spurs. Like that is what they do. They take international prospects, they develop them to be the best possible version of themselves, and then they win because of it. Josh Giddy is the epitome of who they like to take and should take in this draft, especially considering they currently have DeJounte Murray. If they get rid of DeJounte Murray, then that opens up everything for Josh Giddy to be like the guy. But he's even a good compliment to DeJounte Murray in my mind because DeJounte Murray is more of a defensive-minded guard. Um, He doesn't play off ball necessarily, um, but I don't necessarily think he should be on ball either. He's not much of a distributor. Um, He's more of your Matisse Thibel, but with a bit more of an offensive game spread. Like that that is who DeJounte Murray is as a player. He's Thibel with a bit of offensive game. Um, He's really crafty and good around the rim josh giddy can find him as a cutter um you know josh giddy could be that offensive mind that offensive engine while Dejounte murray's the defensive counterpiece um that's who i would take at 12 if i was san antonio i won't go any further well there you go well i posted i posted that in the rundown and before we get you to tell us out i did come up with a ridiculous nba draft night scenario uh-huh. um so in the since there has been some rumors around the pistons and Cade cunningham if the pistons pull an all-time blunder and specifically if they select evan mobley as the number one overall pick which mm-hmm. again i don't really think it's gonna happen but let's just say that they're they're ridiculous so if that happens then if I'm Houston, I'm getting Cade Cunningham number two because of course. Yeah. If that happens, or if Houston is stupid and they take Evan Mobley at number two, which they shouldn't be doing, but if Evan basically if Evan Mobley is off the board before the third overall pick, I see the Cavs forming some sort of trade with Orlando mm-hmm. and trading the third pick and maybe i don't know a play, I, I didn't come up with what player maybe a player maybe not a player for a five and eight with orlando interesting orlando moving up and selecting jalen green at three as one of those top top tier players mm-hmm. in this draft to get that difference maker um jalen suggs still at four uh and then i have the Cavs selecting uh oh isaac okoro and scotty barnes is your two wings that's dangerous defensively yeah scotty barnes and then i have them reaching up and maybe selecting a little bit early i have them selecting 
uh, Moody at eight. I like that. I <laughs> And most of the rest of the draft, I mean, it changes a little bit, but I think if for some reason Evan I Mobley, like it. I like the chaos. If Evelyn Mobley is not there by three, they do that, that trade. So Orlando wants to get up. They want to get a trans, you know, they want to get that player that's going to take them to the next level. Transcendent the talent. Yeah, that's what I meant. The uh, like Jalen Green and Cleveland is going to be like, well, we can go back a few picks and still get some good assets because our one main asset isn't there anymore. So, yeah, yeah, that would be. I a- like it. I do. I like that. Well, there you go. Then, then it's maybe not a nightmare scenario. But to close this out, Adrian, any other draft notes you had, players you wanted to shout out? Uh, so that the people know who to look out for, uh, especially later on in the draft, uh, on draft night. Well, um, I'm not going to give you the rundown of every player on my big board. I'm just going to list them off. Um, gotcha. And then I'll, I'll highlight a couple of players after I've listed everyone off. My tiers as they currently stand, already explained tier one is Kate Cunningham, Jayla Green, Evan Mobley. Um, as should be the case with everyone. Yep. Tier two, Zaire Williams, Scotty Barnes, Jonathan Kaminga, Jalen Suggs. I'm the only one that might have Zaire, Zaire Williams in that tier, but I really, really believe in his potential. Tier three, Josh Giddy, Jalen Johnson. Tier four is Kai Jones, Moses Moody, James Booknight, Corey Kispert, Keon Johnson. Um, really? So you, you still believe in, in Jalen Johnson? Well, I have Jalen Johnson in, in my third tier. Yes, I think Jalen Johnson um, got absolutely, like, slandered. Um, because, oh, I agree. Because Duke doesn't know how to handle players that don't want to be with their program. Um, and he has character concerns as a result. I don't think he has any character concerns. I think the only concerns that you might want to have is the people that are surrounding him. Um, and yes. I understand that is his family, so that's going to be something that's going to be difficult to negotiate. Um, but talent-wise, he should be – I mean, he might be a top-five talent in this draft. Um, he I, – I, I'm trying to remember what his splits were this year. I, I can't remember. Um, I mean, I don't fully disagree with you. I actually, yeah. for a while, had Golden State picking him up. At, with the 14th pick. So I had him mm-hmm. as an edge of the lot. And I think he is a late lottery to just outside the lottery. Great pickup. Um, but I didn't expect to hear his name in your tier three ahead of some of these guys that are almost guaranteed to be in the lottery, like a book night, like uh, a Moses Moody. Those, right. those guys. Well, I, I want to throw this out there. This, this is what really convinced me to like, think, wait a minute. This dude is getting a lot of flack, and for what? At Duke, where it was considered he had a poor season, right? It it was considered he he was not performing well. Well, he was only averaging 21 minutes per game. Per 40, the dude was averaging 21 points, 11.5 rebounds, 4 assists, on 52% shooting from the field, 44% shooting from three, and averaged over two steals and over two blocks. That's uh, That sounds like an NBA-ready player to me. <laughs> like, 
I like that is those are actually and this includes Cade Cunningham, those are the best numbers that anyone put up per 40 in this draft class. Um, what Jalen Johnson has in terms of a ceiling is really, really special. Um, he's a prolific rebounder at only 6'9". He's already got an NBA-ready NBA body, which is part of the reason why Jonathan Kaminga and Scotty Barnes and some of these dudes are, are getting touted so highly is because they are already built for the NBA. Like they, their size is there. Um, Johnson has that same size and he has more offensive talent and potentially more defensive talent um, than both Scotty Barnes and Jonathan Kaminga. So yes, Jalen Johnson's in my third tier. I don't have him above Scotty Barnes and Kaminga and Zaire Williams because we just didn't see enough of him to like really get a sense of, okay, yes, these averages are great, but I don't know if he can do that consistently for a whole season. And he did it for half of a college season versus like a, a 70, 80 game NBA season. It, it's just, you have questions. So yes, he drops a little bit, but he is high on my board because I think the talent is there. Um, so tier Four ended with Keon Johnson. Tier five is Franz Wagner, Sharif Cooper, and Alperin Sangoon. That's actually false. I would move Sangoon up to my fourth tier now. Um, I, I moved him up recently. I think Sangoon's really quite good, especially now that we're watching the Olympics happen and NBA mm -hmm. players fold in the feeble rules. Sangoon is one of the most physical players in like international play at the moment. He was the Turkish league MVP for a reason. He did so at 18 years old. Like if he's bullying dudes under FIBA rules um, and he's a Turkish league MVP at 18, like it gives you a, a small hints of Luka Doncic vibes. Obviously they're not even remotely the same player but in terms of like the successes that he's having at the ages that he's having them, um, yep. there's, there's, I think a real argument that he could be a top 10 player in this draft. Um, so I, I Sengun's in my fourth tier, Franz Wagner and Sharif Cooper in my fifth tier, my sixth tier includes Dayron Sharp, Davion Mitchell, BJ Boston, Jaden Springer, Usman Garuba, Jared Butler, and Trey Mann. And my sixth tier, which would also round out the top 30, is Ayad Sunmu, Josh Christopher, Deshaun, Deshaun Nix, uh, Chris Duarte, Cam Thomas, and Jola Yai. So good good on you for having uh, Dayron <laughs> Sharp uh, hot, higher than a lot of other big boards. Uh, but he's a legitimately good prospect. It, it's not, it's not. I, I know I am biased. We're both biased here, but I don't think a lot of people realize the level of prospect Dayron is because he didn't get that much run. Um, exactly. Because UNC was so stacked at big man. Um, we could obviously both talk about Dayron Sharp at significant length. Um, he is, he is one of the prospects that I would highlight on this list is like, he's going to be better than people project him to be. Like he might end up going in the second round in this draft and he's going to prove a lot but of he's people a, wrong. He's, he's a first round talent. He's a first round talent like easily. He could even be back end lottery talent if like he hits his ceiling. Cause he's, 
a legit passing big. Like he's got real vision. Um, and he's the best rebounder in this draft, I think, bar none. Bar shit, bar. Uh a couple other dudes I would highlight. Um, I already talked about Josh Giddy. I was going to talk about him if I hadn't talked about him prior. Right. Uh, I really like Josh Giddy. I really like Jalen Johnson. Um, I really like Sharif Cooper. I think we, we talked about him enough as well. Um, yep. A dude that isn't getting a lot of hype. And I think is suffering from the same sort of thing that Zaire Williams is suffering from is BJ Boston. Um, yeah. Coming, coming into the college season, he was viewed as the number three prospect on ESPN's yep. board. Number yep. three. Yeah. No, like, I remember his name. And then I yeah. saw it in like some other big boards and I was like, Oh yeah, he did drop off. Didn't there's, he? there's a reason why he was projected as a number three prospect. You don't just lose that ability or that talent. I understand his year at Kentucky did not go well, but if we're being honest, the last two, three years, kids seasons at Kentucky have not gone well. And then they've come in, into the NBA and they've kind of exploded. I mean, you look at um, what's his name for Philly uh, this year, who's been who was absolutely awesome whenever he got run. Uh, Tyrese Maxey, uh, yeah, Maxey was awesome whenever he got run for Philly. He put up more. He had a, a game this year in his rookie season where he scored more points than Ben Simmons' career high. Like, yep. Like, come on. Um, and then you look at Emmanuel quickly. Like Emmanuel quickly was huge for New York this year. He was, he came out of nowhere. Um, but those are the two Kentucky guards from last year. BJ Boston is the number one Kentucky guard um, coming out this year. And I think he's underrated because Kentucky's not getting the best out of their talent um, currently as it stands uh, or hasn't been doing so the past couple of years. So I think BJ Boston's a, a name to really look out for. I think he's a lot better than his numbers uh, in college showed. And he realistically should go in the top 20. You could make an argument that he's a lottery talent as well. Um, but because of how deep this draft is, he's not going to go in those realms. He's probably going to end up being a second round pick, which is sad because he should be a first round pick. Um, yeah. And then the last person I will name is Josh Christopher. He's at the very end of my first round. Um, but every year there's like one dude that's at the tail end of the first round um, who becomes an immediate contributor on like a, a successful team. Like you look back at the Lakers, they got Kuzma at, what was it? 25. Yep. Um, and, and Kuzma showed out. I'm trying to think of other examples Who's was the first one that comes to mind, but um, Josh Christopher is that sort of dude. Um, he's coming out of Arizona state. So he's got that uh, James Harden, uh, Lou Dort, Arizona state shooting guard pipeline. Uh, he's, he's got that heritage going for him. Um, and he's one of those dudes that's like, I, I don't think anything jumps out about him necessarily. I think he's pretty physical. Um, for his size, he's about 6'6". Six, six. Uh, he's pretty physical. He's a decent defender. He's a decent shooter. 
Um, he's decent at getting to the rim. Like there's no real holes in his game, but there's nothing that's going to jump out, jump out at you and say, Oh, this dude's going to be elite. Um, well, and a guy like him that's drafted at the end of the first round is going to go to a contender Phoenix Suns or Milwaukee Bucks scenario, which is like, Oh, the best way to just grow and contribute and not have a lot of pressure on you at all. Like if I'm, yeah, if I'm being honest, a perfect scenario for him would be Milwaukee. Because yep. what, what was Milwaukee lacking this year? Whenever Dante DiVincenzo got hurt, they were lacking a shooting guard. Pat Connaughton obviously did a great job in the finals, and that's part of the reason why they won. But I would not rely on Pat Connaughton to be the solution for the future. No. Josh Christopher could absolutely be the solution for the future um, for a team like the Milwaukee Bucks, assuming he lasts that long. I think he will, and I think he should absolutely be taken by a team like the Phoenix Suns, like the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, he, he's a very, I, he's kind of what you were describing in terms of like Davion Mitchell's ability to contribute now. He has that ability, but he's only like 19. Um, and obviously he's not, like I said, he's not great at any one individual thing, but he's good at a lot of things. Um, and that's kind of what you look for in those late round prospects. So that's the last name I'll throw out there. There's, I could get into every single prospect on this board and prospects that aren't on my board as well. <laughs> um, but, that, but that would take us about three hours. Yes. And I and, think, uh, I don't know how long we've gone, but I think we've gone pretty long uh, compared to our, our normal but this is link. this is our draft special, and we, we oh, it's the draft special, baby. Let me tell we, you, I've been waiting for up, this moment. We helped <laughs> bottle up Adrian's energy for this moment, uh, and had some fun with my mock drafts as well. So I and really, so, hope I've been what, smiling the whole time. You can't see exactly. me, but I've been smiling the He's, whole time. We've been having a really, really good time with this one, and, and we hope you have as well. Um, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at flight underscore pod. Thank you so much for listening and, and tuning in this week and hopefully some, some awesome live content uh, coming your way soon. Uh, but until then, enjoy your week. Enjoy the draft on Thursday, and we'll see you next time. Peace. Don't trade SGA. <laughs>